Hi everyone, my name is Diane Yu and I will be your host for this episode of From the Patient's Eyes podcast presented by Orange Grove Bio and the Autoimmune Registry. From the Patient's Eyes is a podcast created to give autoimmune patients a platform to share their stories and bring awareness to the unmet medical needs of the community. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, today on From the Patient's Eyes, we have our guest, Katie Large. Uh, she is a junior at UChicago. Um, she's 20 years old and um, her diagnosis was celiac disease. She's also, for everyone's um, reference, she's also an All-American women's lacrosse player. And it's really great to, to hear from a student athlete. So we're going to get to know her background. So. Nice to meet you, Katie. Uh, would you like to provide a brief intro to yourself? Of course. So, hi all, I'm Katie. Um, as Diane just said, uh, I'm a junior at UChicago and I play lacrosse. Um, I was diagnosed with celiac um, at a pretty young age. I had it my whole life, but I didn't know I had it until uh, I was in eighth grade. Um, my mom went undiagnosed with celiac for 43 years and she had a bunch of health issues and wasn't di uh, diagnosed with celiac until very late later on um, and realized that she had the genetic type. So I was the one lucky kid that got it from her. Um, but yeah, any questions that you may have about my disease and how I handle it and also how it may affect my social life, my athletic life, my school life, all of that, I'm open for questions. Great. So at the time, could you give a bit more of a backstory to how you were diagnosed? Like at the time, what types of symptoms did you have that led to the diagnosis? Yeah. So at the time I was pretty young. I was still in middle school. Um, I didn't have any symptoms whatsoever. I did not know. Um, and um, my mom was actually the one that was having all the symptoms because she went undiagnosed for so long. Um, and she went to this one doctor to try and figure out what was going on with her because she had health issues up the wazoo, just a lot of issues. Um, and he finally ran the, the celiac blood test on her and she realized that she had celiac and stopped eating gluten and all of her health problems were, were pretty much immediately resolved. Um, wow. So... After that, the doctor told her that it was um, a genetic uh, kind of celiac, um, which means that she probably got it from one of her parents. And that was a possibility that her kids probably have it as well. Um, so that was when me, my brother, um, and my little sister were all tested. We all got the same blood test as my mom. Um, and at that point, it was a toss up as to who got it from her because um, at the time, I had no symptoms, neither my, my brother, my brother or my sister weren't feeling anything. Um, and I remember this day pretty clearly because <laughs> um, my mom was on the phone with my doctor and she was like, Katie, like, we need to speak to you. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how yeah. did that, how did you deal with that process of, you know, coming, did you have to come to terms with you know, having this change in lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely um, upsetting to hear about it first, um, just because it was a big switch to, you know, my lifestyle and what I was eating. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I'm really, really glad that I learned about it as soon as I did, because most people go undiagnosed for a very long time, like my mom did. Um, and it saved me from a lot of health issues. So it honestly did not take me that long to cope with it just because it's honestly a lot easier to eat gluten-free now than it was maybe 10 years ago. Um, so I remember my mom like took me grocery shopping and we just got a bunch of like ice cream. <laughs> that sounds like the best thing to have. Yes. <laughs> when um, you get that news. Yeah. So um it, it wasn't it really wasn't that that horrible um especially because I wasn't having many symptoms then so I was kind of not really affected by like cross-contamination or stuff like that back then um and I wasn't I didn't really start getting more serious symptoms until about a year ago um so that definitely changed things up for me a lot um but when I was diagnosed with it 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 wasn't too bad. It was definitely a hard first day, but after that, it was, I got pretty used to it pretty quickly. So at the time, did you know anything about possible treatments or did there you? There is no treatment. There's nothing. Uh, the only treatment for celiac disease is to diet. It's to just cut gluten out of the diet. Um, I wish there was a treatment. That would be really <laughs> yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, there isn't anything. So then when it was, when it came time to dieting and um, you mentioned cross-contamination, how did you control for that? Or how do you control for that on a daily basis? Um, it's definitely a lot, it's a lot harder to control um, than just not eating gluten um, because especially eating out um, when you're telling the restaurants to cook who are cooking for you, sometimes things get misconstrued. Sometimes people don't take you seriously. Um, and sometimes it's just unavoidable. Um, like for example, in some Italian restaurants, I usually just avoid them all sometimes altogether because flour is just in the air there. It's going to get everywhere. Um, so it's definitely been difficult, um, to control cross-contamination, but the best way to do that is to just cook yourself. Um, so I've been, really lucky to um have a twin brother when I was like and when I was uh, back at home who like cooked loved cooking cooked all the time <laughs> I personally don't like it so it was really nice to have him who loved cooking <laughs> um my mom loves it so that's been really great um and as of now I usually just do a lot of meal prepping myself um because it makes it a lot easier to just avoid eating takeout when I don't have to um and there are also places that I do trust that I can eat out from so um man it's annoying but definitely manageable I guess um, for yeah. our audience too could you explain how cross-contamination typically works or some of the ways that you you might not think that there's cross-contamination but it happens like you mentioned the flower in the air Yes. Uh, so basically how it happens is anything with gluten or anything that's used to make something with gluten or maybe even food that's been like contaminated by hands that were touching gluten um, gets into my food. So for example, um, let's see, I was, my, my roommate offered me some of her quesadillas the other day 
Um, <laughs> and because they were made with almond flour and they had like just cheese in them and she mm. thought that the pan was clean. Um, but um, I asked her because she used like some butter in between to put down to on the pan. Um, and I asked her if she double dipped with something like let's say the knife touched like a piece of bread or like a flour tortilla and then went back onto the butter. Like if she used the same butter yeah the quesadilla that would have affected it transferred that 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 small small amount amount. um so yeah so that it turns out that that she did do that so so, um I didn't end up having her quesadillas sadly but um (laughs) yeah but that is kind of how it works sometimes it like takes just like the little a little bit of um a little bit of gluten but uh yeah, and like even like with the flour in the air, sometimes it just settles. It settles onto the food. People who don't t- change their gloves when they're like making like bowls, let's say at like a place like, for example, like Chipotle, who right. are touching who are touching flour tortillas and then making bowls. So, yeah, there are many different ways. Thank you for elaborating. And I guess could you explain how your symptoms progressed a year ago? I know we briefly. Uh, you briefly mentioned it earlier, but I'd like to explore like what happened there and um, more ask, try to give the audience more aspects of this disease progression. Yeah, for sure. So before last year, I kind of didn't really think about or need to think about cross contamination as much because I wouldn't, wasn't getting any symptoms. Um, So I probably like two years ago, I probably would have eaten uh, my roommate's quesadillas just fine. Um, (laughs) But about a year ago, um, I started feeling like really bad all the time. And I had no idea why I thought I had COVID all the time (laughs) because I constantly had migraines. I always was nauseous. My eye got really bad acid reflux. I was feeling really tired. Oh, wow. Um, and I noticed that I felt this way most of the time when my long distance boyfriend was visiting. So <laughs> this is actually a really funny story. So every time he visited last year, I felt horrible. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> That's not a good correlation, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and I realized, I thought, we thought we like sat down and thought more about this. I was like, wait a second, like you're eating like a full, like, like cheeseburger and then you're kissing me. So I was like, this is why (laughs) I'm feeling so bad because the cross-contamination from like the kissing from when he was eating gluten was making me feel so bad. So did he have to kind of go on a gluten-free diet too? Yep. <laughs> yep. So poor him, but he stuck it out. Um, yeah. That's but, good of him. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's when I realized that, okay, I really need to take cross-contamination seriously now because um, it got to a point where I would get cross-contaminated and I would like, I would feel like I have to throw up all the time. Like I would feel so nauseous and have such a bad headache. Um, so I, at that point when it was, it got that bad to the point where like 
like I wasn't eating anything and I was still getting infected um, that I needed to take it seriously. So that was a year ago, a little bit over a year ago. Thank you. So is this what happens when you, like when the term gluten is used, like, is that yeah. those yeah, that was, symptoms that, and the side effects? <laughs> yes, that was, that was a term that was created by my mother. I don't know if other people use that term, but I do just because she does. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that could be made up. I don't know. <laughs> so it sounds like your family and maybe your like, like your boyfriend, your close friends have had to sort of adjust for you. Do you feel like that's something that um, you you would recommend to patients that are going through the same process? To absolutely. Be consistent? Yes, absolutely. Um, because if you like, let's say the people you're living with, or the people that you're that you hang out with all the time are not really taking it seriously, and are people that are feeding you, um, you you will get sick. So. Um, it's really important for them to understand, um, have roommates that understand. And like, let's say like in a, to like, let's say we have like a communal toaster oven, like to put down tin foil if they put something with gluten in there. Um, it's very easy and manageable, um, but just something that like needs to be thought about beforehand um, in order to make sure I don't get sick. Um, and it's also very, it's, it's not too hard, I mean, I, I hate being that person that's like, oh, you have to do all these things just to like, just to live with me. But, um, but at the end of the day, it's not, it's not too bad. I haven't had any complaints so far. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that needs to be, that needs to be understood and heard um, by your close friends. How do you feel like your gender, your ethnic background has shaped this treatment journey you've had? Honestly, the only thing I would say on that is that because I am a woman, sometimes when I'm out um, to eat and I tell people I'm gluten-free, so a lot of people sometimes at restaurants don't take me seriously and just think I'm doing it to diet and not because it's a disease and I have to um, or else I get sick. And so sometimes I like do get that immediate judgment like, oh, she's just doing this to diet. Um, so every time I do go out to eat, I make it very clear, like, this is a disease. Like, I'm not just dieting. I will get sick. And I ha usually have to make that pretty clear. And I always usually ask people, like, do you know what celiac disease is? Because some people don't even know what it is. Um, so I usually just make sure when I'm eating out to make, make it very clear about what I have. That makes sense. And do you feel like over time that's changed? I know you said you were diagnosed around in your teens. Do you feel mm -hmm. like people have become more understanding at restaurants and other places? Um, it really depends where you go. Um, so it like, let's say you're in like a, a city area, usually mm -hmm. like, yes, they, they're very good about it. Um, if you're in the middle of nowhere, kind of a toss up. So um, because I feel like I mean, I'm not really sure, but it really just depends where you go. Um, I would say I still sometimes have issues, like I did have issues about when I first got diagnosed, they're definitely still learning curve. Um, but again, usually with just explaining it, every like they, they understand if you just explain. Do you have any 
advice with pe for people with your condition and about this learning curve that you speak of? Um, honestly, just to be patient um, because it definitely can get really frustrating when uh, you're trying to explain things um, and how severe it really is with, with, with the cross-contamination. Um, it can get really frustrating sometimes because even sometimes when you do explain it and you eat out, you still get, you still get sick. Um, and like, there are always instances, like it's not a hundred percent foolproof. It does happen sometimes. Like I still get gluten sometimes. Um, but honestly, the best piece of advice I have is to learn to love cooking and to, um, and to be patient and honestly, just to enjoy the other aspects of life and enjoy the food that you can eat because it's honestly way easier to eat gluten-free now. Um, and just to enjoy that and also to take advantage of the restaurants that are very good about being gluten-free because there are some that are really good about it. And I go there, go to them all the time. Um, Do you have any suggestions for like, especially ones that are across the country? Um, sweet green is a great one. They're very, very good about it. Um, and there's not a lot of gluten there much anyways. So that's one is always a go-to if like we're thinking of national, but there, if you take a look, there's usually some niche places like little restaurants that, that do actually pay attention to, to allergies like that. Um, and I'm sure there's, there'd be some like all across the country. Usually can you usually find something. That's good to hear. And then one other question is, have you ever participated in any clinical trials? Today? I wish. <laughs> <They don't exist. laughs> so to my knowledge, I don't think they exist. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that people are researching ways to treat it. Um, but as of now, the only way to control it is to eat gluten-free. And unfortunately there's no cl clinical trial that I'm aware of at least um, to treat it outside of dieting. Thank you. Are there any other comments you'd like to share with the audience? Um, I don't think I have any additional things to say. If, um, if there are any more questions that you have for me, I'd be happy to ask. But um, overall, I mean, I think the biggest thing to understand about cel celiac disease is that especially nowadays, it's, it's pretty manageable and it's not, it's not a very scary thing. Um, if you just manage it with your diet and by being communicative at restaurants and with your close friends and family, um, and that it's very, very possible to live a completely normal, happy, healthy life with celiac disease. Um, as long as you just take advantage of those places that are good about it and, um, you're communicative and you enjoy the foods that you can eat. Um, and also the foods that like, for example, gluten-free pastas and pizzas, things that you wouldn't think you'd be able to eat anymore. They're still pretty good. They're not that bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, just, just take advantage of those things and you'll be good to go. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Of course. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of From the Patient's Eyes. 
We would also like to thank our guests again for their willingness to be open and vulnerable in their experiences. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will join us for the next one.